Hot off the press from Maybelline New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Cocoa Zing, and more, an extra-large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, Alyssa Mastromonaco calls in to talk about why unwanted Ivanka keeps popping up everywhere. Then journalist Brooke Thomas joins me in studio along with Tian Tran and Grace Para to discuss fitting in, standing out, and learning to embrace yourself. And as always, our hills. Before we get started this week, a little bit of housekeeping. If you want to submit a hill that you'll die on, you can record a 30-second voice memo on your phone and send it to our email address, hysteria at crooked.com. You can also send other correspondence there. Caroline and I both check it, though, so love notes and hate mail to our individual addresses, please. Second item on the housekeeping agenda, we are going to bring back the old feature, Dude You Asked, for a weekly bonus video content, so you get to see us podcast with our faces. Please send us any and all of your questions, whether it be about the 2020 race, Ivanka shenanigans, or our weekly skincare routine, although that's pretty boring. I just put lotion on my face. Send your listener questions to hysteria at crooked.com, or if you want, you can tweet at me. I'm probably going to put out a call on Twitter as well. Hysteria merch is out. Finally, you guys have all been waiting a very long time, and you guys are all very excited about the Muscle Tank. It is the uh, top-selling item this week in the Crooked store. So you can keep up on Hysteria merch at the merch store by going to store.crooked.com. There's more stuff available, and there will be new items also like throughout the year. Keep you updated on that. More housekeeping. I'm going to be on tour with Pod Save America. I'm going to be in Denver on July 17th at the Belco Theater and in Salt Lake City on July 18th at the Eccles Theater. And um, I've never been to Utah before, so I'm pretty excited that I'm going to get to tick off Utah on my list of states that I haven't visited. Excited to join you guys July 17th in Denver, July 18th in Salt Lake City. The shows will be co-hosted by me, so make sure to come and see us live. Get tickets at crooked.com slash events. Finally. Finally, I'm trying a new thing where I give a shout out to a special group of listeners this week. I want to give a shout out to people who still have to work on holidays. I spent New Year's Day one year when I was in high school giving baths at a nursing home. Not for fun. I actually worked there. Um, but it was not the greatest New Year's Day of my life. Um, so I can't say I feel your exact pain to all of you people who currently have to work on the 4th of July and other holidays. But I have felt similar pain and I'm with you. Now let's get to the show. Hello? Hello? Alyssa? That was weird. That was super weird. It just picked up and there was nobody. But yet here I am. Yeah, here you are. Thank goodness. Um, (laughs) I was going to, I had a whole hello line planned. I had like pre-written it. I was going to be like, oh, it's hashtag most wanted Alyssa. But then I was Oh, that's so sad. I know. I was I was shocked by the silence and now it just totally threw my whole day off. So we're gonna that's okay. We'll we'll take it from here. Okay. Good. Thank you for being understanding. Um let's 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 get into it. I wanna talk about hashtag unwanted Ivanka, the uh, photoshopping meme that I accidentally started on Sunday because I had writer's block. 
Um, so here's how it started. Alyssa, you you saw, I'm assuming, yes, people yes. photoshopping Ivanka Trump into historical moments where she didn't belong and wasn't wanted and wouldn't be useful. That was something that I suggested people do in response to the conversation at the G20, where we can see Ivanka trying to interject into a conversation between actual world leaders who have diplomatic experience and Christine Lagarde, the head of the IMF, kind of casting uh, very obvious aspersions with her face on Ivanka. What did you think before we started, before we really get into like the photo things and the meaning of it and what actually happened? What did you think about Ivanka at the, at the G20? I mean, it's fucking appalling. You know, I mean, like if you look back and I guess for me, I put everything in the context of like when I was there Mm -hmm. or just generally before Donald Trump was president. I mean, any of the administrations apply. Mm -hmm. I mean, she put herself my favorite part aside from the Christine Lagarde side eye, Mm -hmm. which was righteous was when, so at every summit, every G20, G8, NATO, et cetera, there's always what they call the family photo, which is the photo of all the leaders standing up straight, you know, in front of whatever logo it is that they're, you know, meeting for. And Ivanka joined the photo and Mm -hmm. she's not the president. And she just took her place front and center. I mean, she wasn't even like, in the wings, you know, like I was during tap recitals. She was like (laughs) right in the middle. And I guess it's just like this appalling, you, you hope, you wonder, you think that at some point someone has some self-awareness, right? Mm -hmm. Like that she knows she's not fit for the job she has, that she's totally unqualified, that she has the job because of her dad, which is the same way she got her like failing accessories line, you know, because her dad and that she would have the self-awareness to be like, you know what? I'm at, I I came to the summit, but I'm at least going to step to the side, Mm -hmm. but there's actually no benefit of the doubt that can ever be given to her now because she legitimately per this trip and her actions, believes she belongs there. Right. And some of the response to it, I think the reason that the meme kind of took off um, and it sort of took on a mind of its (laughs) took on a mind of its own. I believe that it took off because a lot of people had this low thrumming thought in the back of their mind. Like, what the fuck is she doing there? Why is she there? She's never once run for any elected office. She hasn't been confirmed by the Senate for her job. She shouldn't even have her security clearance, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Uh, She has no diplomatic experience. So people were frustrated for real reasons that Ivanka, you know, was there. Like there there are legitimate reasons. But one of the things that happens as as tends to happen online with the memes is that the longer the the more it trended, the more I saw people attacking Ivanka's presence there for like bullshit reasons, <laughs> you know, right. we're like, and I, and I'm never going to defend, I'm not defending Ivanka. I'm trying to defend our argument against Ivanka. And by doing sexist shit and saying misogynist or violent things about her, we undermine the entire valid argument that we have. Absolutely. So I was noticing that there were some people photoshopping her. I mean, look, 
I don't think that it is impossible for a woman to care about the way that she looks and to be compliant with patriarchal standards of beauty because that's how you get into meetings and also be somebody who's worth being taken seriously. I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. And I think when people attack Ivanka for being pretty or fashionable, that is sort of what they're doing. Yes. She still gets to dress how she wants to fucking dress. And like of all the things I'm going to criticize her for, that's not going to be it. Uh-huh. She should have been a little bit more respectful of the occasion, I think. And it's it's not uh, even just about the way that she dresses. It's the way that she was trying to insert herself in conversations in front of the photo and everything. And I just, I, uh, I'm glad that the meme took off. And I hope that every time she's in a story from now on, people use the hashtag unwanted Ivanka because she has never, ever been an elected official in the U.S. And hopefully she never will be. Hopefully. I mean, but that is the thing. You know, there are all those rumors that she thinks she's going to be the first female president. And you're like, she can't really think that. And then you see her performance at the, at the G20 and you're like, oh my God, she really does think that. Like, right. she does think that being rich, which is another thing, right? That being rich, if they really are, mm-hmm. is the qualification for access and status and to be and to participate in things like this, right? It's not that you actually give a shit about what's happening in the world or have like an advanced degree that, that makes you understand what's going on in the world. It's just like they're rich. Mm-hmm. So of course she can do it because she's rich. Right. And she's pretty and she's rich. And she. what was interesting to me about the Ivanka at the G20 moment was her kind of planet Ivanka general demeanor, where she's just completely divorced from reality. All of this was happening at the same time that we have a full-on crisis at the border, where children are still being kept in cages, where people are living in unhumane, unsafe, unsanitary conditions. And that's her father's administration's doing. And she, she has the gall to stand there smiling and pretend like she's some sort of advocate for women or for any people at all which just, it just drives me nuts. Um, one more question though, Alyssa, mm. one of the, mm-hmm. one of the <laughs> critiques I got from people who had a lot of misspellings in their bios was that, <laughs> was that I, I must be, that people who are using the unwanted Ivanka hashtag must be jealous of her. What do you say to people who accuse critics of Ivanka of being jealous? Um, okay. So I'm a critic. So if someone wanted to call me jealous, I would just say that I'm not jealous that I think that people are critical of her because of the hubris and the exactly like what I was just saying that she just, that all of these people for so long who have worked in the government had some sort of special qualification, Mm -hmm. right? And it's just that she is tiptoeing through fields of landmines with no qualifications whatsoever. And with also, like, there are ways, I guess, that she could have demonstrated some sort of, like, curiosity towards learning more, but mostly everything she does is a show, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you never hear stories about how, like, Ivanka went into some bad neighborhoods and tried to understand maybe why Michelle Obama was concerned about food deserts. You know, mm-hmm. she just says and does things and she's just, there's, there's no, there's no there there. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why people are critical of her, not right. because they're jealous of her long blonde hair. Right. And here's another thought. I, as you were talking just now, I thought is she if here's the here's the best case scenario is that in, she's not really actually involved in the diplomatic negotiations that are going on. She was just there for the photo op. 
She wasn't actually right. in there trying to use her lack of skill to work on something that she doesn't really care about the outcome of because she's rich and she's always going to, you know, quote unquote rich and she's always going to be rich. Um, I think that she just might have been there for the picture because in the world of the Trumps, to appear to be something is to be something. The appearance oh, of success is success. And it's, it's all artifice. And she's just like but her I father. Guess- the thing is, it's like, girl, then just stop with the photo. Like, take your G20 photo, stand next to your dad, flip your hair, do what you're going to do. But don't, like, go try to, like, convo bomb, you know, President Macron and Christine Lagarde. It's like, no when to say when, I guess is my point. That is Even a, if that is your deal. That is a really good point, Alyssa. Um, well, we have to wrap up the Ivanka conversation, but I wanted, okay. to, I wanted to debut a brand new news feature. We're calling it Toast or Roast. And this is the part of the news where Alyssa and I pick a story that we didn't spend most of the news talking about that we want to either praise or that we want to roast. So for the inaugural Toast or Roast, Alyssa, are you offering a toast or a roast this week? And who are you offering it to? I am offering a roast. (gasps) Ooh. Of... Eric Swalwell. <laughs> oh, this was out of left field, Alyssa. Go on. I had to because you know what? I was thinking about like, obviously the debates have been a nonstop source of conversation for the last week. Right. And I kept thinking about, you know, the people who fell into the background, who blended in, who were wallflowers, the people who were far too aggressive, like that's just low hanging fruit. Right. Mm-hmm. My, my roast was like in the same way that I would criticize, like, why is Ivanka at some of these events, right? Of the 20 some people running for president, like what qualifies some of them to be up there and think that they have the experience to lead a country other than the fact they are smarter than Donald Trump, which Aaron means you and I could also be at the debate. Okay. Let's just, let's just be honest about that. That would be then, fun. It would be, we would bring so much flair and so much <laughs> sauce. It would be so good. It would be very like, fun. Eric Swalwell's only contribution was to have some sort of form of like uncontrollable tick where he shouted next generation and passed the torch and came up with like fairly convoluted ways to work them into sentences. Like I was watching him and I was like, oh my God, is this a Seinfeld episode? <laughs> like, is he Larry David at the corner? And then I was like, no, because Bernie Sanders is Larry David. <laughs> so he, to me was just like, he was the one person, I mean, you know, Marianne Williamson, <laughs> like another great you know, social media moment that ensued after she was at the debate, which were all the fantastical moments that she truly appeared in, in history, like, like almost like Forrest Gump, like marrying, uh, Elizabeth Taylor at Neverland with Michael <laughs> Jackson and Jose E. Bear present. Like that was pretty magical. Yeah. But no, mine is just a roast of Eric Swalwell. He needs to come up with a better reason to be on that stage. I mean, right. he is clinging to the 1% that's keeping him there. And it's like, if you're just doing this for a cabinet position, there are better ways. <laughs> yep. I, I accept that roast. Okay. I have okay a, thank you. I have a toast to offer. A very short <gasps> toast. I'm going okay. to offer a toast to Supreme Court Justice Elena Kagan. 
Oh, do it. Who um, last week, a, a lot of Supreme Court decisions came down because it was the final week in June. And Elena Kagan was assigned writing import, some important dissenting opinions, um, especially on the gerrymandering case. Kagan wrote mm-hmm. the dissent on that. And it was a fiery dissent in the tradition of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And she seems now to be the loud liberal voice on the court that we all saw in Ruth Bader Ginsburg and then we see in Justice Sotomayor. And it's exciting. You know, it's it's one little exciting glimmer in a in a dark world of the Supreme Court. Is Elena Kagan kind of coming into her own and being more of a vocal uh, progressive voice? Do you want to know a fun fact about Elena Kagan? Absolutely. She married me. What? Yes. Oh my God. Yes, David and I did not have a wedding. We were lucky, and Elena Kagan offered to marry us, and she had like decorations in her office for us. And I think there was an orchid and they had champagne and it was the nicest thing anyone could have done for me. And so I love her for a very special reason. Oh, that's so sweet. And you are a wedding doula. Jesus. I know, girl, I can come up for, I can come up with any idea for any occasion. I'm a machine. You truly are a machine. Alyssa Master Monaco, thank you so much for calling this week. And I can't wait to talk to you next. All right. Talk to you next. Bye. Bye. Stick around. There'll be more hysteria after the break. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix zero-sugar hydration drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe mushroom coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I just like, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast. No dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito. (laughs) Not, Not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. Hysteria is brought to you by Books. 
This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually, when I buy them at like the grocery store, they're sort of like starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hot off the press from Maybelline New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Coco Zing, and more, an extra-large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP. All right, welcome back. We're at Personal Political, which is a part of the show where we talk about things that are on our minds and in the news and in our lives and at this table. First, I want to bring in the amazing women who I have with me today. First off, actor, comedian, writer, Tian Tran. Hello! Tian, it's like your Christmas. It is my Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) The Women's World Cup is my Christmas, and for it to come like... Right around Pride. It's just like the best ever. It's my favorite time of the year. Yeah, Tian and I watched the game yesterday together at a bar that was just packed full of fans. Which bar? Village Idiot. Village Idiot. It's a great one to watch games, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it was packed and it was so fun. It was so fun. I was going to wear my jersey today, but then I was like, I actually only wear that on game days. I don't <laughs> want to ruin the superstition yeah. of like wearing them <laughs> off game. I have like jawline acne from holding my face in te- in, like, <laughs> intensely. I woke up this morning. I was like, oh, there's a line of zits <laughs> because from, from, face from, from face holding during the game. It was a tense game. Next up, I want to bring in actor, comedian, activist, Grace Para. Hello. Yay! I'm applauding myself. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Yay, Chris! I love World Cup as well. This is very exciting. My, my, I don't know if you guys know this, my eldest brother, Alex, actually runs a kids' soccer league in Texas. <gasps> and he was featured on the local news in Houston yesterday, he and his eldest son, uh, Grant, who's uh, who's also a player, uh, because they've had this, like, surge in kids who want to play soccer, because, oh. of course, it's, like, World Cup time. So there's just, like, hundreds of kids in Houston that are signing up for his league, and he's so excited. And um, Grant, who's my nephew, was asked on camera, so what do you think is going to happen with the game yesterday? And he was 
like, I think it's going to be 2-1. U.S. is going to win. It's going to oh be very close. God. He's a, he's a little Nostradamus. Did he say it in yeah. a spooky way? <laughs> <laughs> we he's love, kind of a spooky kid. We love so, spooky, yeah. kids we love spooky kids here. We love spooky kids here. But um, yeah, Para family gets way into this. It's very exciting. It's so fun. Yeah, well, finally, I want to bring in, for the first time on Hysteria, mm. Young Turks journalist Brooke Thomas. Yay! Yay! I didn't have to applaud myself. Because everybody's off tomorrow. Exactly. Like, exactly. That's true. Not to celebrate. <laughs> Are you doing anything over the holiday? No, I don't have any plans. I'm going to crash somebody's barbecue. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, I haven't figured it out yet. Is it yeah. going to be somebody you know or a Didn't stranger? Matter. Okay. Didn't matter. Okay. I can get to <laughs> just I can follow get to... the smell of meat right. and then yeah. just walk in and be like, hi, and pretend to know That's people. Exactly the plan. <laughs> have I you just... been watching the World Cup? Uh, I have not. Oh, it's well. The championship okay, is on. I was Sunday. working yesterday. <laughs> was working yesterday while it was going on, and there was a crowd over by the TV in the office. So I was following along with their cheers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> um, then I checked Twitter right after, and I saw um, the tea sipping moment. Uh-huh. Oh, so and great. that was Good. pretty great. Yeah, love yeah. that. Yeah. that one thing. Great. One thing that I think is like exciting about like the World Cup, the Women's World Cup, big positive sporting events like this is that I was just kind of, I mentioned this over email, I think it kind of models, the women's national team kind of models this new, at, at like, inclusivity mm-hmm. and, like, celebration of mm-hmm. women and different types of women and all of them working together on one thing. And it reminded me of, Tian, the, the topic that we're talking about today. You you brought up something really interesting about inclusivity, belonging, not belonging, and heteronormativity. Yeah. And um, I would love to hear you talk a little bit more about that. I just, well, because from a very young age, you're just taught from media and from parents and siblings that there's a very specific way that you're supposed to be in life. And for me, that was like being straight was the ultimate goal for the longest time. And I was telling you this yesterday that (laughs) for the longest time, I thought that I was going to have to marry my cousin because he was the (laughs) only Vietnamese boy that I knew. And in my brain as like a kid, I was putting together together heteronormativity. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And it was like, I only saw Vietnamese opposite gendered coupling. (laughs) And in my brain, I was like, it's got to be my cousin, <laughs> right? That's the only possibility. But I really was, I like really tried to be straight for a very long time and stayed in the closet until I was in college because I really thought that it was so wrong to be out. Yeah. And that that I just hadn't met the right guy or like mm-hmm. did all those things where I was trying to explain away my feelings and like attraction towards women because I had never seen that in front of me or seen it in the media or seen it from like people that I knew. So I, I was, I, I really for a very long time tried to like meet those heteronormative goals, mm-hmm. like all throughout college, tried to date men, wore high heels and high-waisted skirts for like, it just, I know that's like very essentializing, but just like presentationally, I tried so hard yeah. to like fit a very high femme ideal of what women are supposed to act and look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do other women that you know in the gay community have similar experiences? Yeah. Like all of my dear friends and my partner, we talk about it all the time about like how we tried for very long, like big chunks of our lives to mm-hmm. be straight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was like, it, it was about fitting in. And were you, when you did come out as gay, Yeah. did you experience alienation from people that you expected to 
like to dislike you or reject you? No. And that was the thing. Like I was so afraid. All of my closest friends in college, and I think this is when I was really trying to find myself, mm-hmm. they were all straight. And like we were all very, there's like the party scene and the hookup scene when you're in college. And so much of our conversations were based around like, what guy did you go home with? Or like, who were you? Tra- like, who was, who's the hot guy? And I remember being so afraid to come out to all these women. And when I did, they were like, oh, great. (laughs) One time I remember coming home and I was kind of like crying. And my dear friend was like, oh, my God, are you okay? Did you have too much wine? And I just turned to her. I was like, no, I didn't have too much wine. I'm gay. (laughs) (laughs) And so now that is our like... Inside joke of like, did you have too much wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that that's like a really interesting point that as a straight woman, that's not something I've ever had to pretend to fit in. But I think everybody here has had something that they've yeah. been like, I'm trying to pass into a world that mm-hmm. I don't feel like I belong in and I'm going to pretend to fit in. Um, Brooke, have you had anything in your life that you've like, like tried to pass into something that... Yeah, I think I wanted to be white until I was like 12 or at least like a lighter skinned black woman, which is weird because I don't think I don't ever remember having like these moments where it's like, I want to be a white person. Like, I don't think I don't ever remember like wishing into the mirror as a child, you know, but I do. I don't think that I knew how cool it was to be a little black girl. Mm-hmm. Like I know now, and like kind of like what I learned and experienced in college. I grew up in Muskogee, Oklahoma, which is a really white country town in Oklahoma. Is that near I think, Jinx? Um, yes. So okay. Jinx is like near Tulsa. We're kind of like a suburb. Yes. Of yeah. I lived there for two years. In Jinx, I was Oklahoma. born in Pampa, Texas, and then I lived there for two years. Yeah. My, my dad is retired now, but he was an engineer. My sweet mate in college, her name was... Not her name. She was from Pampa. No way. Yeah, okay, we're going to have to offline about this. <laughs> Pampa has yeah. 45 We're going to have a, there, a so. spinoff Hysteria <laughs> podcast featuring you two discovering that you're actually cousins. Just, <laughs> right, yeah, right, right, right. Exactly. You don't have to get married. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, and I, it's so weird. I And I, I had really, like my, my, um, Grandmother is really, really light skin. My all my siblings, my mom, and I grew up around people who I think they made an extra effort to be like, no, oh, your skin is so beautiful, and always like telling me since I was a child that I'm so beautiful. But that wasn't enough, I think, to um, push back on society mm-hmm. and kind of just like what I was around. All my friends were these white girls. And so I wanted to be really skinny. I remember like I wanted to be like shaped like Paris Hilton. Mm-hmm. I remember like not having like being curvy and not in in my way, you know, like from like fourth grade. I don't ever remember wearing like an A cup or a B cup bra. I don't ever remember that. I'm like, did that happen? Was, was, was there like a slow progression? For most women? Like, I don't remember that. I remember going from undershirts to like a double D or something like wearing the wrong size for. But I, I, I so I remember like wanting to be shaped like simpler and wanting different hair and oh, yeah. just it would be easier yeah. to deal with and like certain things people would say and just wanting to, um, you know, live in a certain part of town. Just so many different things that that's so weird now, I think. Mm-hmm. But well, um, and I grew changed? out of that. You know what? I don't know what, it, I think maybe just like slightly growing out of it in high school. But I remember like being like, it being like so self-affirming, like going to college. And I did go to a PW. I went to a predominantly white institution. Um, but there were so many black women there who were beautiful and who just were seen as it was normal. It was normalized. I wasn't one of two mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. And um, that that was cool for me. And it changed. And my group of friends changed all of a sudden instead of having 
you know, a group of 10 girls and nine of them were white. And then me, there nine of them were black. And it was just a different experience. And I'm so different as an adult. Everybody's different as an adult than they are as a child. But I think I'm so different in that way mm-hmm. than I was as a child, which is so weird because I didn't have, I had a family around me who were constantly pushing what I, it's still, I had to grow out of. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it Does takes, that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. it takes a minute for what people are telling you to actually sink in. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because especially if like when you're a kid, the most important thing to you is like what's going on at school. Because you know your family, I mean, if you have a, a good family, you know your family's going to love you. It's like a zero effort sitch. You can mm-hmm. be a total piece of shit and your family's still going to love you. Mm-hmm. But at school, like they actually, they don't have to love you. And so to earn their love or to feel like you fit in is a huge, is a huge deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking as you were talking, Brooke, about you were saying like now you think you you realize that being a black girl is really cool. Do you think there have been cultural changes around representation of black women that have made it easier for little black girls who are growing up now? I think so. You see it more. It's still not enough. Like, especially in my business, I spent nine years. Now I'm kind of branching out doing all kinds of stuff. But in local news, like eight years solid in local news, which is a very, you know, they talk about being non-bias, which nobody is non-bias. What it means is like shrink your personal perspective down to what it would be if you were a rich white man. (laughs) And Uh that is how you need to tell stories on the news. You know Uh what I mean? Who's also a Christian and who's, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Who's also straight, like, and who's also slim. Like that is how you need to tell stories in the news. And and they call it being non-bias. It's crazy. (laughs) But um, I, I think it's gotten better. I don't remember other than Oprah. I don't remember seeing many like dark skinned women, um, on TV and in TV, still in the bit in the business that I'm in, I feel like it's still struggling. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I always say that is my favorite part about this job. Like um, there are little six, seven, eight, nine year old black girls who are just as brown as me, just as dark skinned as me, and who can look on the TV and think, "Oh, she's pretty. Oh, she's smart. Oh, I like this." Or, mm-hmm. "Oh, I can wear my hair like that." Or that lipstick color looks good on me. Like I can wear red lipstick. I can wear. You know what I mean? Things like that. Things that. Um, you were told, like, I can't even find a Band-Aid that matches, you know what I mean? <laughs> like a couple of weeks ago, I found some at Target, but you know, I don't know. So it's gotten better. It's not good, but I absolutely think it's gotten better. I think that the change in me has just been now it's something that I want to fight for. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like how we tell stories, how that's something I, I don't, because I still wasn't even there as far as professionally. When I started in the TV business, it was like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to sound like. This is what I'm supposed to talk about. This is what's supposed to be normal. Um, and it, that deletes a lot of like culturally black things. Mm-hmm. And now I refuse to be like that, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. It so, makes perfect oh. sense. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, Grace, what was your big thing that you tried to pass into? Well, I am Mexican-American, but for a long time, because the word Mexican was like kind of considered gross, or at mm-hmm. least in my eyes it did, I tried to pass myself off as Italian until I was like eight. And yeah, and I've talked about this on Hysteria before, but people, you know, kids would be like, para, what's that mean? Like, what are you? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I present as something, but people mm-hmm. don't necessarily know what. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's not something that I can that I can hide, you know, nor, nor would I want to. But as a kid, you do want to, because again, yeah. like like all, all like Tian and, and uh, Brooke have mentioned, you do want to pass as like this ideal of a, you know, pretty little blonde white girl, which I was not. So, um, yeah, I passed it as, as Italian. I'd just be like, um, you know, it's Italian. We eat lots of spaghetti and it's You're cool. like, mamma mia. <laughs> mamma mia. I'm Italian. <laughs> My goodness. But, wow. but one thing that struck me about this conversation that, that and to answer your question, Aaron, that really was a point at which I was like, I need to conform. It, it all had to do with language because in my house, my parents both spoke Spanish, mm-hmm. but I so desperately did not want to. And I so desperately did not want to have an accent. And I so desperately 
desperately did not care. I didn't want to know anything about Spanish. It took me a long time to warm up to the idea of embracing bilingualism. And so to me, in, in listening to both of you guys talk about vestiges of what you're you're still kind of getting over and elements of like what you're so proud to, to, to retain, to me, it's language. It's like, I feel like I would be so much better at speaking Spanish if those first few years I had just embraced what it meant to be Mexican-American and mm-hmm. to understand that like bilingualism is awesome. So I feel like I, I had to catch up a lot. Like I had to, you know, learn a lot of Spanish in college, which is a weird way to learn it. You know, studying abroad really helped with that, which is like the whitest white girl thing to say. I like <laughs> learned Spanish by studying abroad. I had the advantage of having a family who speaks it so I can practice constantly and I'm very grateful for that. But it's still something that like, my three elder brothers who were all raised, born and raised in Mexico, uh, they they know Spanish way better than I do. And it's because they they just have that advantage of having grown up in a place that embraces Mexicans versus in the United States where that's not necessarily the case. And where so many people, if you can try to not be, if you can pass as not Mexican, it's considered an, you know, an, a plus. Mm-hmm. So working against that has been tough. And, you know, I, I say that as somebody now who like we all see the news, we know what it's like to, mm-hmm. you know, to, to see the biases that still persist against increasingly so against uh, the Latinx community. Um, and, and so it's tough. So, so you know, listening to like you ladies talk about what we would pass on to younger kids, it's like if we, if we can tell kids that their identities from a young age really matter and that if we can present as people on pl- that have platforms to be able to, you know, say like, oh, she can have big curly hair and that's awesome. And like for me, it was, it was J-Lo as Selena where I was finally <laughs> like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, I can be a Latina. That's kind of sexy. Yeah. <laughs> but up until that point, there was nothing. There wasn't even an Adora the Explorer when I was growing up. Yeah. Was just, there was so nobody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And proportionately, like I even grew up in Texas where there are a lot of Latin Americans and it still felt like those communities were living in shadows. And that's not even like a, you know, documented versus undocumented observation. It's just generally mm-hmm. Hispanics felt like we were living in shadows. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And, and I also think like, you know, we've talked about this on the pod, too, but even the way that we refer to Hispanics, like that there's like a kind of a tone in the way that the word Mexican is is used that is 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 difficult. You want to shy away from it because it just doesn't feel like it's embraced. Mm-hmm. But that is changing. I mm-hmm. do think it's changing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Can I say something about what absolutely. you said about speaking Spanish? I Just because I noticed that just growing up in Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma, yeah. it's all like Mexico and Native American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, then there's like some black people. But like, <laughs> No, but you know, and I think um, I did notice that, and I thought about this. We mean a couple friends were having this conversation when it was such a big deal that Pete Buttigieg can speak Norwegian or something. And I think about like, what if little Mexican kids were embraced like that? Like when I was a kid, it's so weird. They put them in almost like these remedial classes, like saying like, you know, to try and teach you English. And really, it should be like, okay, actually, it's really hard to learn Spanish. (laughs) You're smarter than everyone else here. (laughs) You're going to learn English. It's just going to be all around you. But you're going to know two languages. Let's embrace it. This is really cool. Help the rest of the kids out. Like, teach us some, you know, and instead it's like, no, 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 put them, you know, every... They're going to go for a couple hours in the back and and work Hmm. on their English. And that's so bizarre that then... This grown man reads a Norwegian book and yeah. people lose it's their like, shit. And it's like, he, wow. he's fantastic yeah. and so multicultural. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. He's he's the like the white rainbow of multicultural. <laughs> but like, I think, we embrace kids like that. You yeah. Know? I, know. I, I think that's right. And and the way that people prioritize multiculturalism that involves like European culturalism mm-hmm. versus like other nationalities. And I, I think just listening to all three of your stories, I was thinking about how there's a sort of pattern 
turn to every single one of them where it's like, I reject who I am. And then I learn that I like it. And then I spend the rest of my life being like, fuck yeah, this is who I am. And for me, it was like, you know, being a kid, I grew up in rural Wisconsin. And then I went to Notre Dame for college. And it was the first time I really realized how many rich people there were and like what rich people were. I had no concept really of how rich some people were like their parents could pay 50 grand a year to send their kid to college. Like, and so I spent a lot of time when I was in college trying to, and this isn't the same as, as altering like sexuality or or race or language, but I think a lot of people, I, I tried to move within class and to pass as like, like I wanted to fit in with the people who are like from the boring cul-de-sac suburbs. And I wanted to be somebody who passed as like a rich prep school girl who'd been to a country club. I'd never been to a mm-hmm. country club. And as I got older and as I got out of college, I remember one day being like, why do I have so many polo shirts? Like, <laughs> why Why did I, why, do, why am I trying to do this? I think that our uniqueness, whether it be the place that we came from, our sexuality, our background, our ethnicity, our language, all of those things, I think, are assets to us. And so now I almost feel myself like overemphasizing the fact that like, yeah, we grew up with like not a ton of money. And I grew up in the country. And I, one time my mom was like in the kitchen, she goes, oh my God, don't go outside. And I looked outside and there was a bull standing on our well. Like that sort of shit. Like I, I, that's an asset. Cause th- those things like Tian, you being somebody who is an out woman who is living in LA and doing what you're doing, like that's awesome. Like mm-hmm. all of us are doing things that are awesome. And like, so I think the moment at which we all decided like standing out was a good thing is like a really important moment in every woman's life. Well, it's it's interesting because we are basically fed two very opposite messages from a young age. One is like you're a, you're the only one of you. You're amazing. Like lean into who you are. You're such an individual. Like that's amazing and special and great. And then also at the same time, it's like you want to be. We want to be. You want to conform. You want to be with the group. You, you know. You hear things like no new friends, gang gang. Like it's just me and my crew. Like you feel like you have to be part of something mm-hmm. at the same time that you're being told you need to be yourself. And those two things are essentially at odds with each other. It's difficult to be like, I want to be a total individual. But then you go down a path of like loneliness. And mm-hmm. I feel like ultimately we're all just trying to combat that feeling of loneliness. So of course we do whatever it takes to fit in with whoever is around us. Um, I, I, yeah. And I don't know that that ever goes away, but I do think you're right that at some point we understand that the unique parts of us, the unique characteristics that we bring to the table supersede whatever it takes for us to conform. And and at some point it's just like natural for us to be like, I can't, I can't fake this anymore. I can't, you know? Yeah. I mean, Tian, I feel like you've especially experienced that. Well, I was just, I mean, the, the embracing of uniqueness and like the things that make us ourselves have also, for me personally, have like opened doors to new communities that I feel empower that even yeah. more. And like to, to come back to what you were saying, I also wanted to, I never ever explicitly said like I wanted to be white, right. but, I, but I like felt that so much. You realize you're doing little things yeah. that yeah. mean that. That mean that. Mm-hmm. And I remember like when I first started doing comedy that I would, I would like proudly be like, I don't want to be seen as the Asian comedian. Like I don't want people to see me as that. I want them to see me as like any other comedian, to, which is like an erasure of like my own idea identity and like an erasure of like what makes me unique and also something that I can't like visually can't take away right and Mm -hmm. to be able to like embrace that is so exciting and also it really does it's like it opens up to like new communities and I'm meeting more like other Asian and queer Asian folks and it's really fun to like be a part of a community that we have this like shared identity Mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah, totally. Here's another thing, though, that I'm, I was just thinking about, Grace, as you were talking about, like, standing up versus fitting in. We also have this message that it's, like, really not cool to be basic, which is, like, yeah. the epitome. It's, like, it's great to fit in, but it's also the worst to fit in. Yeah. So what to, what to you, I just was thinking about, like, the concept of basic. Like, what does it, what does it mean, and why do you think people are being chastised for being basic? What do you think basic is? <sighs> I'm glad the word basic didn't really exist when we were kids because I, I think like, yeah, basic is basically what we were all trying to be. Uh-huh. Just like the most, you know, I, I always think of like, I always reference Kelly Kapowski in Saved by the Bell as like my ideal. She was, I tried to model my <laughs> voice after her because she was the perfect You did woman. it, Grace. Success. Really you sound did. just like yeah, when, when I close my eyes, I can see her in this room. <laughs> Kelly, where are you? I um, don't remember what Kelly sounded. I don't either. Not don't Grace. Know. The answer is not <laughs> Grace. Kelly, talk. I don't, <laughs> don't even know. I don't even know. I remember but, like her hairstyle more than I do. I remember yeah. everything about I remember everyone being obsessed with her, but I don't yeah. remember her. Tiffany wow. Amber Thiessen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we doing a sexism right now? Did we just sexism Kelly Kapowski I think we by did not remembering? Uh-oh. We did a sexism. Anyway, so you were trying to sound like Kelly. I was trying to sound like Kelly because, yeah, I didn't want to sound like like my, you know, family that had accents and shit and, like, I just didn't want to. And and I also wanted to sound, like, very educated, too, mm-hmm. because I, I felt like then, then I would supersede the stereotypes of what it meant to be a Mexican. So I was, like, super articulate and made sure that, like, I was just super annoying. But, and I, but I I do also remember when uh, Clueless came out and when everybody started saying like, which maybe had been happening before, but that was like a, a, a watershed moment for me where I was like, oh, oh, pretty white girls say like. So I'm going to start to incorporate that into my <laughs> into my language. And I and I did. It didn't. It was not natural. It wasn't it was not natural at all. But I did it because it felt like, yeah, that's something that's going to make me. So anyway, so those are probably two very kind of basic, basic bitch characters that I <laughs> definitely modeled myself after. Is Kelly basic, though? I don't know. I mean, I I, I, I feel like Kelly Kapowski wouldn't wear Uggs. She wouldn't wear Uggs. Which you're right. to me is like <laughs> a characteristic you're right. of that. You're right. I think you're good there. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, everybody had Umbro shorts. Remember Umbro yes. with uh, the North Face yeah. pullover and Uggs? I yeah. feel like that's it. We didn't have. We were. I was pre. I was pre Uggs, but we had like Umbro shorts and like Adidas shower slides was oh, like yeah. the cool thing for people to wear. And like you wanted to wear have like the right. The, there was like a sweet spot in the world of basic versus individual. You wanted to have like the cool color of umbro shorts but not so cool that it was a weird color <laughs> or like you oh wanted god. to have a starter jacket oh my god I, I you know lo- but not yeah. not so weird that like you're the only one with that starter jacket right. you don't want to have a charlotte hornets one because everybody has charlotte hornets <laughs> but you also don't want to have like a weird like i don't know boise state one or whatever <laughs> right it was just I, I think like kids especially have to deal with like these two conflicting things where it's like fit in be unique. Yeah. And yeah. be both of those things at once. Otherwise, you're going to be punished. I was just also thinking um, earlier in the in the show, I talked to Alyssa about Ivanka at the G20 mm-hmm. and um, about her standing out at the G20. And um, I was just thinking about professional fitting in and like how much we have to change who we are to fit in professionally. Do, do any of you recall having to, like, change the way you dressed or change the way you acted. Like acted. yesterday? Or you mean, like, before that? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, Brooke, you mentioned being in, like, local news. Do you, did you ever remember having to, like, change the way you dressed or? So many things. I think that um, 
And even, you know, when I was in Philly, Philly was a really rough experience for me. And I just like got to the point where I feel comfortable being honest about how rough it was. Like my first couple of days of work, my co-anchor asked me if I had ever heard of the paper bag test because oh, he's oh surprised God. they hired someone as dark as oh, me. This is God. in market four. Oh, my God. So, right. This and it was just like a couple of years ago, you know, and then I remember um, just like we had this stylist who was awful and so mean like one time I like pushed back on something I didn't want to wear I was like oh no I think I think I like the way this fits better and she was like whoa whoa calm down animal and I hadn't even like raised my voice oh my god and um I remember being like you know it's not really a cool thing to refer to black people as animals oh no there is a Mexican person in my family I would never I would never be and it just she was awful and um and I oh remember, and she used to kind of change her voice when she talked to me, like, girl, no. I, you would look so good. Look at those hips, girl. Uh. And she would do that. <laughs> I'm like wincing you from, know, and this from is the soul. Like, this was my life, right? And I asked, I remember saying something to my executive producer about it. And he was like, oh, she's like that with everybody. She's like that with everybody. Which, no, she's not. And <laughs> I, but okay. But, um, <laughs> so anyway, but. So I think always like changing the way I dress because my body is shaped differently than like someone who may be just like slimmer and less curves than me. And so um, I wouldn't wear like V-neck dresses or Mm -hmm. anything that showed any cleavage Mm -hmm. or like try to have things that are not so tight because Mm -hmm. someone will look at me and another another woman in the same dress and say, I look unprofessional. I look like I'm going to the club. Mm Or and it's weird because Philly, I was at the point where I was like embracing more like professionally, like who I am and what I want to talk about and what my responsibilities are, like with my platform and um with what comes out of my mouth and things like that. And there's so so many things. And I feel like back to what I was saying about perspective, there's so many things that affect marginalized communities that aren't normal. So on the news, and the, like it's like don't give your opinion. Mm-hmm. But if two, if we there's some random reason that there is a wedding story, a story about a wedding, and it's a man and a woman, you're allowed to say congratulations to the happy couple. You know, that's I guess okay. And then, but if it's a gay couple, you are not <gasps> allowed to say that because that is you giving an opinion. What? And, oh my god! And so that certain is... things that are facts. So I don't know. So I feel like you have to like delete that aspect of yourself, or you're worried about that. Like yeah. I. Um, run a group on Facebook for black women on TV just because in my first couple jobs, I was the only black woman in the market on air, let alone, you know, and the consultant. Would co- so I'm like getting off topic here. Mm-hmm. But so just so many things that, you know, you have to change. So changing the way you dress, changing the way you speak, changing what you talk about, changing like when somebody says something that's offensive you are afraid to push back on that because mm-hmm. then it looks like the black girl is angry and she's yeah. got an attitude. You are afraid to like speak up for yourself and say, hey, that's not cool. That's not okay. Because then it's like, oh, work is sensitive or things like that. So yes, mm-hmm. just completely, just yes. I, yeah, I, 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 this has been brought up, uh, you know, in, in the media, I think increasingly in the last couple of years. But as, uh, as a writer, I've been the diversity writer in a number of comedy rooms. Mm-hmm. And that is... It is such a, it's such a, first of all, like, it's very obvious who the diversity, this is changing now where hopefully like writers rooms are, are more diverse. So it's not like there's just the one token diverse person in the room. But uh, in the writers rooms that I was in when I first started writing, this is probably like eight, nine years ago, it was just me. And so there was this like unspoken, oh, you're only here because mm-hmm. the network is paying for this spot. And so like, you don't necessarily have to speak as much because trust us, like, you know, you're, you're doing well, you're, you should be lucky that you're here. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That's what matters. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you can chime in, great, but we don't have any expectations of you. And it's like, and that is that is such a, a rough way to introduce somebody into the world of comedy writing because it, it is supposed to be so democratic, you know, everybody weighing in when you have a fun yeah. joke and a fun moment, a fun character, whatever it may be. But but you just feel like there's a scarlet letter on you as the diverse writer. Yeah. yeah. The worst oh. thing about working in a writer's room is, is like, and I've had only good experiences working in writer's yeah. rooms, but the worst thing about it is that the entire industry has convinced itself it's democratic and it's the least democratic. Absolutely. Like, yeah. It is yeah. so Absolutely. undemocratic. It's like up until a few years ago, it was like guys hiring their buds mm-hmm. and they were making good TV, them and their buds, but it was all just like dudes hiring dudes they already knew yeah. Yeah. to work on the shows about dudes doing dude stuff. Yeah. Yep. And it's like that that was un- I cannot believe anybody ever convinced themselves that that was like a democratic thing. Um, but I want to go back really quickly, Brooke, to something you talked about. You touched on like our bodies mm-hmm, as something mm-hmm. that we feel like we need to change or disguise. And I think that that's a topic that has a lot to it for a lot of women. Um, we are pressured to cover up, but not too much or wear tight clothes, but not not so tight. Have any of you had an experience where you've been made to feel bad about a clothing choice you made that really had nothing to do with you and everything to do with the person making the critique? In one writer's room that I was in a few years ago, there was a, another writer who thought it was funny to tell me, hey, what are you still doing dressed when I walked into the room? What? Wait, what do you mean? And I, like, what are you still doing with your clothes on? Oh. And I, this was six years ago. This what was not that long weird ago. Thing to and say. then and then because yeah. I got so nervous when that was thrown at me, I laughed. He thought it was then a bit. Mm-hmm. It became a room bit. So every time I walked into the room, he would say that for months. Mm. For <sighs> months. And I don't know what I was wearing, but it was clearly something that was like a trigger for him, I guess. No, and he's a creep. He's a creep. <laughs> yeah. He's a creep. No. Yeah. Super creepy. Yeah. Um, you probably had on a t shirt and sweats. He probably yeah. yes. like a creep. Yeah. 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 When um, when I used to work at the at the Second City in Chicago, we had a notorious like costuming day where we would all try to figure out our outfits and a, like a stylist would come in and like dress all of us. And at the time we were in this presentation of like business casual on mm-hmm. stage because the idea was that if we looked nice on stage, then like we earned the respect of the audience and then we could like, you know, all of our jokes were earned. And I tried to be very I, I have kind of like a very specific gender presentation when it comes to clothes that I like kind of femme stuff. But when it's too femme, it makes me feel like I'm not myself. And this woman just didn't get that Mm. and kept bringing super flowy, like boho-y chic shirts to me for like to wear on stage. And I like each of us had our like all of us had a different breakdown of like, this is just like the absolute worst. Like she couldn't in her mind envisioned me in anything that wasn't femme mm-hmm. and kept bringing me like flowy shirts, flowy pants, Ugh. like a skirt. And I was like, no, I just, I want like men's, like men's wear styled clothes. And she's like, I just, I don't, I, I just don't get what that is. Yeah. And I'm like, Ugh. well, and like clothing and presentation is so important to somebody whose gender isn't like the, or gender identity is not as like typical, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. somebody who is not like a cis hetero woman is like I guess I don't really have to think about like if someone tries to like give me clothes that I'm like I don't like this I don't it doesn't like 
it, it's not something that feels like an affront to my identity because yeah. I've never had to like. Right. It'll just right. be like, that's ugly, but yeah. it doesn't hurt right. my feeling. Right. 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 Exactly. Right. But because I haven't had to, yep. that's not like it been a part of my like self-expression. Yeah. My sisters still don't get it sometimes when we have like very formal events as families. I haven't worn a dress in like 10 years maybe. Mm-hmm. And it like, it just blows their mind <laughs> that like I would not want to wear one that that just doesn't like feel like it just doesn't feel right on me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that should at this point. It just is like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. I had to become comfortable with my own body. Like I wore a, a minimizer bra. Mm-hmm. All really? through high school. Yeah. And it was like I only had one. I wore that thing <laughs> to death. I think at one point like the underwire was coming out of it. And I had like taped it back in there. I have no, that is so weird. I used to hand wash it. But, Wait, we're supposed to have I'm more in, than one. Bra? <laughs> but now I'm like, I like the way I'm shaped. I like my body. I used to be so weird about like how big my lips are, or, like how big my breasts are. Like, and now I'm like, no, I like my body, and I want to yeah. dress for what I think looks good. I still don't think that should invite comments and not even sometimes women do it and it's so bothersome Mm -hmm. I'm totally fine we have the most ridiculous conversations with my friends so if I'm on the phone with like my friend and we're on FaceTime and she's like oh your boobs look great I love that I invite that we are friends Mm -hmm. but other it's weird like there was a viewer the other day I was just wearing like a crop top and a skirt and she was like oh look at your chest that's something I wish so bad that I inherited from my mom I was like, I wish I could see my face right now. You can't, but like, it's like not so, but also like weird. It's inappropriate. It's invasive on my breast, yeah, weirdo. And I, I think I wrote back, ugh, don't do that. And she (laughs) assumed that I was saying, oh no, don't, don't be down on yourself. And she was like, no, you know, just some people. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, don't point out my boobs. Let me just wear clothes. Like you know, (laughs) weird. I don't know. And I think she meant well, but what are you doing? Weird man. I think having (laughs) having body stuff pointed out by people that you're not on that level with is it's something that weird. is just like instantly makes you feel like you don't belong in whatever room you're in. Yeah. Whoever, like if you're at work, if you're at home, if you're just like randomly walking down the street and some guy says something about your butt, it, it immediately just makes you feel like the world has stopped and you're the only one and you feel terrible and you don't want people to look mm-hmm. at you. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's weird. There yeah. There are more appropriate things to focus on. Yeah. Than somebody's breasts. Yeah. yeah, it's Wait, very invasive danger, and weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having just these like flashes right now. I feel like a PTSD, like just all just all these moments in life where that's been called out. Like even yeah. from a very young age, mm-hmm. like, very young age, just people, you know, just it's like creepy dudes checking you out. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 relentless. And this is something that men truly don't quite grasp what it's like to walk through life as a woman and have your body critiqued by everybody around you. You just can't escape it. From the time time girls start to develop. Like, I always felt bad. Um, If I ever have a daughter, I will hope that she's lucky enough that she hits puberty about after about three quarters of her friends are done with it. Because, like, the first ones to go through it always have a hard time because mm-hmm. they're the That's ones— That's me. I got a bra when I was nine, ten. Yeah, oh my no, God. Yeah. Like I said, don't yeah. remember don't re- yeah. anything between adult bra yeah. and undershirt. Like, I don't remember yeah. and the I transition. Yeah, and I was in a similar situation where it was yeah. me and a bunch of white kids. So, like, uh, you know, it, it, yeah, very—really hard yeah. to deal. And also, like, I went to a private school and we had to wear white shirts. And for some reason, my mom brought me a, bought me a bright pink bra 
So like everybody noticed. And yeah. I, I look back and I'm like, mom, what were you thinking? I think she just thought it was she cute said it was or something. Cute. Yeah. yeah, which is cute. how it should be. Which is yeah. how it should be normal yeah. like that. Like I, when I would go to church with my grandma, like I get it. I'm dressing for my grandmother and what yeah. she, and that's fine. It's my grandma. You know what I mean? But other than that, I want to wear what I want, where I want. Yeah. And and that's it. I, I Like I always say, like if I have a little girl, I want her, if she wants to wear little short shorts, that's fine because they're baby legs. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And there's nothing sexual about that. Yeah, and we right. need to fix the people around her. Right. Yes. Their baby legs. Right. Like, that's I, you know, true. That's true. I mean, it's people... a weird thing. Dress codes in high schools and middle schools for little girls are yeah. weird and overtly sexual. Uh-huh. And they and I think that it's just it, it like you said, those are a child's that's a child's body. Yeah. And yeah. it's there's not, nothing sexual about that. No. Right. And it's not on the child to to dress a certain way. No, agreed but, completely. but those but those like idea it's like just reinforcing heteronormativity of mm-hmm. just like certain bodies being presented in certain ways. Mm-hmm are the expectations of, like, straight culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that gr- a female body is inherently sexual to, to yeah. boys. Mm-hmm. And that if you present your female body, that boys will be distracted enough. You know what? If men are so great at running shit, then why can't they handle cleavage? Yoga pants. Yeah, yeah. or yoga <laughs> Shoulders. Yeah, right. It's like, come on, <laughs> come on, guys. You can either be the people that are best fit to run almost every Fortune 500 company in world government or... <laughs> Or you can be people who are driven batshit insane by the shape of a butt. Yeah. Right. You can't Clavicle. be both. You can't be both. I think there's still a, a ban on sleeveless dresses for women in uh, that, like, as part of the White House correspondence. I don't think you can sit in the press room with a sleeveless dress on. Well, arms are I thought that was, like, thought that was the White House general rule for Maybe, women. Which is, is absurd. That, is, which is yeah, absurd. absurd. I don't know. We should ask it's Alyssa. shoulders. A shoulder. <laughs> what? <laughs> don't we think Michelle Obama, though, did like a lot, so much progress by, you know, presenting a woman who was confident in her body and who showed, like, she showed shoulder all the time. And I always, I like, I mean, we don't have that now, obviously, in the White House. But, like, I do remember being like, yes, this is amazing. And she's mm-hmm. a sexy woman, too. Yeah. Somebody who is not suppressing her sexuality by any means, but she's professional and she looks beautiful and the, the wardrobe that she's presenting is also well thought out. And I like that too, because mm-hmm. on the flip side, I think a lot of us are, feel so suppressed that we're just like, well, fuck it, I'll just wear like, you know, yeah, t-shirt and like leggings. I don't care because we get scared about what the mm-hmm. parameters parameters are. Yeah. Um, I think we need more of that in, in all industries, not just in politics, but mm-hmm. I'm so glad that her visibility was as prominent as it was because it really did showcase to women, like show those shoulders, mm-hmm. be professional mm-hmm. and also be sexy. That's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I also was thinking back to like the clothes thing. I think I was the opposite of you guys. I was Mm -hmm. a late bloomer. And like until my senior year of high school, I was just like this tiny little thing. And it was I felt kind of pressure on the other side where it's like all these other girls get to dress like sexy. And I want to be able to like I want to be able to like wear a sundress and have it like look cute and stuff and not just be a pancake. And Mm -hmm. it was a. it was like on the other side of it because it's like now once you are a girl who is like starting to develop, then you now you have to dress like an adult woman mm-hmm. right. and because we are going to look at you like an adult woman. And if you're the only one who doesn't look like an adult woman, then there's something like silly about that, which is like another alienating. Thing. I was I was the same way, still waiting for them to come in. <laughs> and but I really I remember buying my first like water bra. What? Oh, I, yeah. I remember Victoria's Secret. Yes. Had, yes. Yes. Because I wanted so, because in my brain, I was like, the attention of boys is the ultimate goal. And like, is the, like, where you'll find happiness and popularity and like yep. social security and social like cachet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I 
bought a water. I remember going to Victoria's Secret, getting a water bra, getting a deep cut shirt from Wet Seal. (laughs) Because it was like the first mixer in middle school. And I was like, you saw me during the day with a flat chest. Well, you're going to see me at this dance (laughs) with big boobs. (laughs) How'd it go? I mean, not great. <laughs> that's and that's how Tian met her husband. Yeah, and, that's, and that it was is, also and her cousin. It was also and my when cousin. I thought they met at the family reunion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, ladies, we have to wrap this portion of the conversation up. This was so great, Brooke. Thanks for dropping by. Thanks We're gonna take a break. Me. When we come back, the hills will die on. <gasps> this episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have. To, I refuse to be uncomfortable I refu- if I want to be productive. I refuse <laughs> to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very, like, on oh. a, like a couch nap. You know, you have like a, oh yeah. you've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm going to just like lay down for 20 minutes. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect for couch napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put a a blazer and like— Denim shirt. Denim Denim shirt, blazer, leggings. So easy. 100%. And, of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit, falling just above the knee, while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. That's perfect. He is. Like, I think my my dad is one of those people that just, like, beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're— they look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, um, Our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple years now and I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a, on a short weekend trip and they still looked great. It was like, Dad, your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. <laughs> Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Hot off the press from Maybelline New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Coco Zing, and more, an extra-large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP. 
Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the Friend of the Pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. We're back. We've gotten to the part of the show where we take adamant stances about things that don't really matter. It's the hills we'll die on. Let's get started with our listener hill. Caroline, you want to fire it up? Hi, Hysteria. This is a response to the listener who said wearing socks in bed is not an indicator of a serial killer. Respectfully, I disagree. Wearing <laughs> socks in bed is disgusting. I know the world is tough out there. It's harsh, but grow up, man. It's not an excuse for wearing your sweaty, world-worn socks in my bed. And moreover, and this is where I might lose some of you because I don't have any evidence. However, there's a correlation between those who wear socks in bed and those who are breastfed for too long. The world talking situation. And I'm not mommy shaming. Bread's face for as long as you want. I am saying your child may grow up to wear socks in bed and may also be Ted Bundy. Thank you. Oh, oh that's my a, God. That's a banger of a hill. Yeah, I good. I would rather freeze my ass off yep. than wear socks in bed. I think it's disgusting. Agreed. I always have people put new socks on, like bed socks. Like you don't, you should, the ones that you wore all day. I think you people just do them that. On. That's disgusting. People who wear dirty socks in bed, I didn't know those people existed. People who squirt the ketchup all over the fries. People who <laughs> put the toilet paper on upside down. All of you. Yeah. Gotta go. Gotta go. <laughs> I don't even, like bed socks are gross, period. Even if they're like fresh and clean and you're just I putting, agree. It's like, yeah. well, let me again be the dissenter. Oh, here we go. Oh so God. here we go. Where, where I grew up, it was very, very cold. And the house I grew up in was a very, like, drafty old farmhouse. And we heated it with a wood stove that was in the basement. And my room was at the opposite upstairs corner of the house as the stove. So I spent my childhood basically in a cave of blankets, like when I went to sleep because it was so cold during the winter. Socks were a part of Socks in bed were part of like staying warm at night because it was like oh, forty boy. degrees in my. Have you, okay, have you shed like, yourself of this yeah. ridiculous habit? Oh, I don't though? wear them anymore. Okay, okay. Oh, okay. Right, that's okay. fine. Like that's, that's fine. a necessity. Right. Socks in if socks in bed is a necessity. Yes. Yeah. I, I was like wee willy winky with like a nightcap <laughs> and like oh my mittens. God. And stuff. <laughs> I think of socks in bed is also something you do like when you are sick and when you have like when you're oscillating between like fever and yeah. you're not a normal human because your body temperature is so cold. That's fine too. So, but I don't want it when I'm healthy and feeling fine. Yeah. I then also err on the side. I don't like anything. Thing when I'm sleeping. Yeah. Nothing is yeah. nothing. Also, I do believe it is scientifically proven that bre- you've been breastfed for too long. <laughs> that is the funniest shit I've ever heard. That is so true. Hilarious. What that a, took me by surprise. That yeah. was a turn. She's like, because I don't have any evidence. And I was like, oh, oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's coming up? It's like, no truly, evidence, no problem on his Truly area. the spirit <gasps> of the hills. That was awesome. Oh, that good. was great. Okay, let's move on. I'm going to go first. First is, uh, mine's a 4th of July related hill. I do like the 4th of July. I like it. I think it's a fun holiday. I have mixed feelings about America in general, but I like the 4th of July. But that being said, people who set off fireworks on nights that are not the actual 4th of July are 
dicks. <laughs> yeah. Fourth of July is, and, I, and I'm saying this as somebody who now for the first time, I have a stepdog now. I'm marrying into having a dog. <laughs> and um, being around a dog all the time, I'm more aware of like the needs of dogs and dog owners. And fireworks are very scary to dogs. And I think that it's, it's fair for people who want to set off fireworks and dog owners to be prepared for this is the night that, that fireworks are going to be set off. If my dog is afraid, I'll get him a thunder shirt and put him in the basement, you know, whatever. But if there's like five nights kind of scattered around the 4th of July, it's really rude to people who have pets that get afraid of fireworks. It's really rude to people who are just trying to sleep. Yeah. It's just really rude to people who are who are maybe, maybe grew up in a part of the country where guns are around and you you think you hear fireworks and you're still like, is it deer season? And, you know, it, it <laughs> don't set off. <laughs> Relatable. Uh, don't set off fireworks on nights that are not the 4th of July. I applaud that. I, yeah, yeah. I applaud that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go to Grace next. Uh, okay. So, um, this past weekend, um, Niall surprised me with a trip to Catalina Island, which was lovely and beautiful. We had a great time. Um, but we're walking around at night, and there was this ghost tour. And I am—the hill that I'm going to die on is that ghost tours are a scam. And it angers me because I like ghosts, and I want to go on a ghost tour that's really <laughs> awesome. I need there to be a ghost tour that's not a scam. I want it real bad. I want it real, real bad because I love I love oh being spooked. I love it so much. And, every, and I walk around, and we're walking around, and it was basically— Basically, this like sort of pseudo goth teen, like she was maybe 16, who was leading this goth, this like <laughs> ghost tour of all these tours who looked like really excited. And they had their little pamphlets with like where the, you know, shaman had been beheaded or whatever near the <laughs> island. And I was like, I know this is a scam, but I don't it's want wild. it to be. So don't start a ghost tour unless you know that there are ghosts and unless you can show to me as a tourist who wants a ghost tour. <laughs> Because I'm not taking it anymore. But what what would be a non-scamming ghost tour to you? I, I Have you s- been on one ever? No, I haven't. But I need to see. <laughs> need to see. Well, Grace, if you'd stuck around until the end of that tour, you would have like, the girl would have been like, I'll be right back. And then you would just wait there for a really long time. And then a man walks out and you're like, hey, did you see the girl? And he's like, girl, there's not been a girl here for 40 years. And dun, she dun, dun. was the ghost. She was the ghost. That's that's idea. Long, I think that's a right? really great Mm-hmm. I would love that. I would love that. Where the, the tour the, guide the, the tour pretends guide to be that's oh, amazing. That's great. <gasps> I really, okay, I guess. All right, great idea. And now I'm going to put out to our listeners, if there is an awesome ghost tour that I need to know in any city, anywhere in the world, let me know because I am a sucker for that shit. I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Grace will like levitate and float to the ghost tour. <laughs> okay, let's hear from Tian. Okay, I've already said it, and we've talked about it today, but, you know, it comes once every four years. Mm -hmm. I need everyone to watch the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team (laughs) this Sunday. uh, 8 a.m. is the championship game. This team is amazing. They have been role models, and they also just, like, openly dislike this administration, which (laughs) I think is so great to use their platform for. So, everyone, please, if you're into sports, and if you're not into sports, watch the Women's World Cup this Sunday. It's just so fun to it's watch. It's just so, so fun. fun to watch. Yeah. And they're so good. They're at the top of their sport. Mm-hmm. 
and they are fun to look at too. I'm not gonna. They're yes, <laughs> they are stunning. Yes. Uh, there's also what another thing that's really exciting about it, and you and I have talked about this, Tian, is that like women's soccer around the world is getting really good. Yeah, that's yeah. And so exciting. It's really fun to see like all these really good teams. Like the U.S. is not the only team in the game. It, there's like a bunch of teams that are that are great. And the, are we gonna play Sweden or the Netherlands? It's we're gonna find out today. Okay. And is Megan yeah. coming back or is she and still? Injured? I think Megan is coming back. Okay, she great. had a little bit of a hamstring injury, but right. she's day to day and feeling good. Okay. Good, good. My, <laughs> my favorite thing about this Women's World Cup too is like I found a trend of like dudes discovering women's sports. Uh-huh. I will have like straight dude friends who I haven't talked to in years <laughs> being like. This is fun. I'm like, yeah, where the fuck have you been? Of course this is fun. Yeah. These are just like humans being the best at their physical sport. Yeah. It's great. <sighs> Hard agree. I'll die on that hill with you. Thank you. All right, Brooke, bring us home. Okay, listen. I like dogs. Love them. Love dogs. Um, if you disagree with me on this, I don't care. Okay. <laughs> I think it should be a crime. Listen. Okay. At work, we have a kitchen that is stocked with food. Bowls, plates, cups, mugs. It's great. I, if I don't eat breakfast at home, some days I go to work and I'll have oatmeal. One day I walk into work. This just happened. This is a big deal. I'm, it's like really, it's hard on my heart. Okay? <laughs> I walk into work and one of my good friends at work, he has a dog named Carl. I love Carl. So I bend down. I'm excited to see Carl. I bend down and I, wait, just Carl is drinking water out of the bowl I ate oatmeal out of the day before. And then it becomes this giant conversation (laughs) where the people who bring their dogs, and then I just see it everywhere. I see a glass, a a mason jar that I've drank water out of. Somebody's dog is licking out of it, head in the jar, licking water out of it. And then (laughs) like every other non-white person is like, yeah, this happens. My friend Sophie (laughs) and all the the white people at work are like, what, you monster? If it's good enough for me, it's good enough for them. No. No, I don't care. It is not okay. Okay. And my friend Sophie, <laughs> she is Taiwanese and she was like, yeah, that, why do you think I, I give all the mugs an extra wash before I use them? <laughs> they all do that. And it's like, oh, but dishwashers work. I don't care. First of all, if you want to share an ice cream cone with your dog, that is on you. I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear about it. That's on you. That's your business. If you want to be the type of criminal <laughs> who shares a plate with your dog at your home, that's fine. But at work, I feel like it's disrespectful. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's gross. It's community property. Mm-hmm. And I don't let dogs lick me in the face. I don't care. Forget your dishwasher because you know what? Dogs actually eat poop. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't care how sweet your dog is, how beautiful, how what scientists told you that their mouths are cleaner. They eat poop. Okay. And you're, no, no dishwasher is that powerful. And if somebody put your toilet bowl in the dishwasher, you wouldn't eat out of it. Okay. Your dog's mouth is a toilet bowl. It's not I okay. love it. I, oh, wow. I love this. Dog dishes for dogs. Yes. Human, human dishes, dishes for, for humans. humans. Yes. I, I 100 Yes. yes. Dying on that hill with you. I lost a Agreed. poll on Twitter on this. <laughs> really? Yes. Who are these monsters I know. on Twitter? Monsters. Okay, guys, look, I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the I am the only white person at the table. Oh and God. I am going to say that I would never use community property for a dog. But I have like really loosened up my my like policy on like face licking for the dog because he just like won't. It's take no for fine. Face yeah. No, I don't know. It's I don't know if face licking is he fine. Just, I like so face. right. I like touching nose to nose too. Yeah, yeah, that's 
cute. I like hugging dogs. Sure. Yeah. But like, I don't think our tongues should touch. <laughs> okay. I have, a, I have a question. I am Brooke, sorry. Brooke, I have a question. How do you feel about sleeping with dogs in the bed? Not I, not on top, I, in the bed. In the I sheets. totally respect that some people think that's gross because dogs, they're feet are gross. It's like putting your shoes under the covers. Yeah. <laughs> but I loved my dog so much that I would let her get in the bed under the covers and I thought it looked really cute when she was under the covers. Yeah. So I'm not perfect. What, 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 what we weren't about? sharing ice cream cones. Exactly. We weren't sharing bowls. The yeah. dog the dog like sleeps physically on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that I have, like I have a very like I give off a lot of body heat. <laughs> I don't I've, it's like very freakish. Um, I give off a lot of body heat and the dog is just like a heat miser. He's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and he wants to sleep on me. My cat climbs under when the cat and the dog don't live together. The cat and the dog live separately. But my cat loves to climb under the covers and sleep next to me. For some reason, it's not as weird to have a cat do it as it is to have a dog. Yeah. Do it. yeah. She doesn't go outside. Doesn't yeah. Go outside. And she's, you know, she's not like eating the ass of other dogs. <laughs> no, but she does spend a lot of time cleaning her own ass with her mouth. That's she's true. Right. But I like, I know where that being. butthole's been. And I <laughs> and I see it every day. It doesn't bother me as much. <laughs> okay. Oh gosh, well, dog plates, please, everybody. Dog plates. <laughs> Poop, dog plates, buttholes. What a good place to end this conversation. <laughs> Magic. Brooke, thank you so much for dropping by. This was great. Grace and Tien, thank you for coming by today. And thanks to Alyssa Master Monaco for calling in. There will be more Hysteria next week. Hysteria is a product of Crooked Media. Caroline Rustin is our producer. Our editor is Sarah Barrett and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thanks to our digital team, Nadina Malconian and Elijah Cohn for production support each week. Hot off the press from Maybelline New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Cocoa Zing, and more, an extra large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP.